makes you thirsty. Um, it, it also makes you sleepy, bacon. <laughs> I was thinking that B stands, rhymes, you know, Benadryl starts with a B too. <laughs> um, but, um, and I have a couple icebreakers. One of them's really not so funny, but it's funny to me. And I think, I think icebreakers are more for the person standing up here than actually the audience. <laughs> um, but uh, did you hear about the, the snowman that was a negative 273.15 degrees? He said it was okay. No one gets that. <laughs> no one gets that. It's zero Kelvin, but it, I, I knew no one would laugh. But, and I, I knew when I told the joke, no one would laugh, and I thought maybe one person knows that joke. Okay, I've got an, just one more that's better than that one. Um, what are the three medical elements? Barium, curium, <laughs> and cesium. <laughs> or, 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 or in helium. Uh, he, he, helium, if you, if, you can't, if you can't curium and you can't helium, you have to bury them, okay? <laughs> didn't, didn't blow it. <laughs> um, I've been actually thinking about what I was gonna preach today um, for quite a while. I preached, I actually uh, taught something similar to the teens and amped, and um, it, um, it's one of those things that, I think when a message is very personal, it becomes something you want to tell other people about, and um, f and for me, this um, this theme has um, rang true over the last year or so. And so I, I was looking for an opportunity when I was I thought, well, if I ever get to preach again behind the pulpit, pulpit, this is what I'm going to preach. And uh, so I got the opportunity. So um, I, I hope it's a blessing. I'm going to pray, and and then we'll get started. Dear Lord, I'm. As I always say before I'm about to preach, Lord, and I mean it with my heart, Lord, I'm, I'm completely unworthy, Lord. Um, the only way that I'm worthy to handle your word, Lord, is by your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and, and his sacrifice. And Lord, we thank, I thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, I just, um, I just ask that you use me. Um, I don't care if I'm eloquent, Lord, but I just do care if there is a um, the, the truth of your word um, that we'll leave here thinking about it, Lord. Lord, I just ask that if there's anyone here that's away from you, Lord, if they're not saved, they would get saved, but if they're away from you, and uh, that they'll be drawn closer. We thank you for many blessings, Lord, and once again, just, uh, just control me now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So... Um, the first verse that I'm going to uh, talk about is Proverbs 16:18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Um, I, uh, I I've thought about I think about pride a lot because pride is a problem of mine. <laughs> it might be a problem with other people here. I'm guessing um, at various times, but it's a real problem for me. It it it, it was a real problem from from my dad I believe and um, and it is with a lot of men um, it is a lot with, with a lot of human beings in general but um, for me pride it, it has caused me a lot of problems um, so I started thinking about it and I, I kind of um, started thinking about pride in a different way 
when I was preparing for this message. And so I'm just going to read a few things, and we'll get through it. That way we can get out of here before 45 minutes because I'll start rambling on. But a pathogen is an organism capable of invading the body and causing disease. Such an organism is termed pathogenic. Um, Robert um, Cook was a German physician and a microbiologist. If anybody knows who he was, he's one of the main founders of modern uh, bacteriology. And uh, he identified you know, what causes tuberculosis, what causes cholera, what ca causes an anthrax. And um, a lot of, he also gave a lot of experimental support for the concept of uh, infectious disease. Um, he came up with something that's known as uh, Cook's postulates, and uh, they're a series of four generalized principles, and they link um, specific microorganisms to specific diseases. And it's still, even in today, um, this was like in the late 1800s when he was around, but even today, kind of his way of studying disease is the kind of the gold standard when we're looking at something, a pathogen. Um, but he identified that uh, when a bacterium is a pathogen, the bacterium can always be identified in the cases of the disease. Um, the bacterium is only found in the presence of the disease, and when the bacterium is cultured and reinduced re into a healthy host, say another organism, then uh, it's going to produce the same disease. So if I have tuberculosis and, you know, it's incubating in me and I get contagious, I'm coughing up blood or whatever else, and I cough on you and you inhale it, then you get tuberculosis, and that's kind of how it gets passed. Um, often, the harm that comes from the bacteria isn't necessarily the bacteria itself, but endotoxins that are contained in the bacteria. Some bacteria are, are harmless, it's just the endotoxins that they create are very harmful. Um, the endotoxins on a gram-negative bacteria, they cause fever, changes in blood pressure, inflammation, lethal shock, and many other toxic events. Because the host then becomes weakened by the endotoxins, it cannot effectively fight off the infection, and the bacteria are able to replicate more freely, which in turn causes there to be more endotoxins present. And uh, it's kind of this negative feedback loop that just keeps, and something, unless something intervenes, just keeps going down and down and down. Um, when mankind sinned in the Garden of Evil, or Eden, we became corrupted. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, we became uh, physically and spiritually corrupted. Um, we ingested something, and it changed who we are. It, 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 changed, um, it changed us physically, and it, it changed us spiritually. Um, our spiritual and physical disease process was brought about by pride. Now, um, I want to talk about pride today, but I specifically want to talk about what I think is pride's endotoxin, if you will, and I believe that's bitterness. Um, pride certainly isn't an organism, but it is harmful and it seems to behave like one. Um, for sake of time, I'm, I'm not, I, I, have a, I have thought about this for a long time and what happened in the, the Garden of Eden, and I, I won't go into it because we'll, I'll be confused, you'll be confused. And <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, our genes got messed up in the Garden of Eden, um, or else we wouldn't need to be regenerated, regenerated, just, just a thought. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
you know, when we took pride, pride was, was what caused sin. Um, th- and this is where I, you know, I have to give uh, credit to Brother uh, McCracken because I, I list, there's a sermon, um, if, you, if you're interested in here, it's about humility. I th- it's humility something, it was 2016 um, Revival. It's on their website at uh, Southwest Baptist. Excellent sermon. And I remember listening to it shortly after coming here. I've listened to it several times. And um, some of the things that he, that he brought up in, about pride in, in this um, sermon um, have given me a lot to think about. And, and they're here. C.S. Lewis wrote that pride is an anti-God state of mind. C.S. Lewis thought that all sin comes from pride. If you think about it, there isn't a sin that doesn't take place that there's not pride involved. Um, uh, pride gives us a God, God complex, meaning we put ourselves on the throne of our lives. We push God aside. Well, we don't really push God aside. We think we push God aside, <laughs> and we assume command. Um, pride is me reserving the right to make the final decision. I get to decide what is good and evil. I determine what is right and wrong, rather than letting God's word be the authority of what's right and wrong. Hence, Eve, well, and, you know, Satan tempts her and says, well, surely you won't die. Well, maybe I won't die. I think I'm going to decide that this is good. She was wrong in her judgment because she's not God. Um, All of us are infected by pride. We may be saved. We may be forgiven and redeemed, but we still drag this pride-infected flesh with us everywhere we go, and it's not going to go down without a fight. It is going to do everything it can to be in charge, and it's going to use the toxin of bitterness, which results from harboring pride. Um, it's going to use bitterness as a defense, because ultimately it's inescapable that the lie, the lies that pride tells us when we brush, we brush up against the truth that God is the only sovereign ruler, and He's the only He's the final authority, and His word is immutable. It's pride that comes up with other reasons why that's not true. And it starts giving us bitterness, and we have to uh, come up with, uh, with um, it, it, it's a byproduct of pride, this bitterness. So I'm going to talk about three characters in the Bible. Um, I know we're probably getting a little over, so I'm going to I'll paraphrase probably a lot of Bible, but I think I can get through it. Um, but uh, number one, bitterness causes us to be destructive. Um, 1 Samuel 16, 14, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And then in verse 15, And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil, evil spirit from God troubleth thee. And in, in chapter 18, verse 6, And it came to pass, as they came, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that the women came out of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets and joy, uh, with joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And in verse 8, And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have more than but the kingdom? Then we go to chapter uh, 20, verse 32. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said unto him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What hath he done? And in verse 33, And Saul cast a javelin to, at him to smite him. 
whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So here we see Saul, who was supposed to kill the Amalekites and just utterly destroy them, and supposed to kill King Agag, but he didn't do that. He decided that he was going to reserve judgment about what the best thing to do was, and so he decided, well, we can offer this good stuff to the Lord as a sacrifice. He became now judge of what he should do. He became put himself on the on the throne, so to speak, of of what of the world, which which was around him at the time. And so he thought, I'm going to do what I um, think is right. And this doesn't work out. <laughs> the prophet comes to him um, and tells him, Look, <laughs> you are no longer going to be the man of God. <laughs> And God's going to find somebody else. And um, instead of him doing what needed to happen, um, he continues on into his pride. He, uh, he doesn't seek the Lord of what he should do next, of how he should maybe repair the situation, or what he should do since the situation has now changed. Um, it may very well be as it was that Saul should have just accepted the fact that, well, I blew it. I'm not going to be king anymore. What can I do to help you, God, to support the next person that's going to be king? But he didn't do that. So as he's given place to pride, it begins to fester and grow. And pride starts creating this bitterness. And, um, you know, when David is exalted over him, the... the um, Bitterness grows, and he should have thought, oh, well, this is going to be God's man. This, is, this maybe is who God's talking about. Um, this, maybe he's better than I am spiritually and can lead the people of Israel, but he, he doesn't do that. And instead, he just becomes more and more self-destructive um, to the point that not only does he try to kill David, but he tries to kill his own son because he's angry, because he's angry when... Uh, of the consequences of his action and thinks that it shouldn't be that way. Um, how many times in a Christian's life has bitterness resulted in destruction? Self-destruction because um, pride tells us that more sin is the solution to the problem. We just need to exert more authority. We can do more of what we want because, see, I deserve it, and I'm justified in behaving so because look what has happened to me. No one cares about me etc., whatever, fill in the blank. When all along we didn't have a proper relationship with God and it caused us destruction because of that lack of proper relationship. Um, we need to realize as soon as bitterness starts to crop up that we are in danger and that ourselves are, and our loved ones are in danger of destruction and loss. You know, it's one thing if I bring destruction upon myself. It's quite another thing if I bring destruction upon my wife and my kids. Um, bitterness gives us a wrong attitude with God. Um, I've got, I brought up the, the last chapter of Jonah, and uh, Jonah's preached to Nineveh. And uh, in jo Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and, and, and repentest thee of the evil 
Therefore, now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Doest thou well to be angry? And so Jonah goes out of the city, and if you know the rest of the story, God creates a gourd, and he brings it up over him, and Jonah's happy for the shade, but then the next morning, God takes out, <laughs> gets rid of the gourd, and Jonah's pouting again. <laughs> and um, I, I can really identify with Jonah because I've pouted like this before in my life. Um, but I... What God says to Jonah at the, at the end is, um, Then saith the Lord, Thou hast pity on the gourd, for uh, the which thou hast not labored, neither made it is to grow, which came up in a sight, in a night, and perished, uh, came up in a night, and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right and their left hand, and also much cattle? God's like, Hey, you didn't create these people. Why are you so upset that I spared them even? Why are you, why is your attitude wrong? You need to check your attitude, Jonah. Uh, and Jonah's pride kicked in the moment that God told him to go to Nineveh. He reserved the right to make judgment about what was right and wrong, darn it. And he thought that Nineveh was wrong. I'm not going to go there and preach to them because they probably won't get saved anyway, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, they're horrible fish slappers. No, I'm kidding. You have to, if you know veggie tales, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, they're, they're uh, these horrible people, and they deserve to be punished. And I'm not going there. I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't like them. And, and God deals with Jonah in such a way that Jonah runs to Nineveh. <laughs> and his attitude's still bad. Um, his attitude stinks. Um, have you ever corrected one of your children and they become obedient, but afterwards you realize their attitude still stinks? <laughs> sure, they did exactly what you said. They did a really good job of maybe hiding, but their attitude still stunk. <laughs> and sometimes you think it's a little humorous, so you might actually poke some fun at them <laughs> to get them to laugh or to see the irony of the situation, which is what I think God would do with Jonah with the gourd. <laughs> But they still are so put upon that they just pout more than anything else. And then you bring more wrath and chastisement on them. No, because you like, wait a minute. <laughs> You're going to fix your attitude right now. <laughs> um, I think that's what God was doing with Jonah. Um, because Jonah's attitude was completely wrong because of bitterness. Uh, lastly, bitterness can keep us from rejoicing when a victory is won for the Lord. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Give me a portion of goods that follow to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And we'll cut down to the uh, kind of to the bottom here. When uh, he comes back home, he comes to himself. He's like, This pig pen's horrible. I don't know how I got here. It was a bad decision. Um, clearly, I don't know what I'm doing in controlling my own life. I'll go back to God, or I'll go back to my father, and uh, you know, I'll just be a servant. I'll just, I'll just work for him. I'd rather work for him than be here in this pig pen. And he goes back, and he's surprised. God meets him halfway, and 
you know, our, our, his father meets him halfway, and uh, uh, he brings the fatted calf, and they celebrate, and um, this is quite often the part of this story that we see. But I think the most significant part of the story is the reaction of his brother. Um, and now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he was angry and would not go in. This is in verse 28. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered, he said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed, uh, uh, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost but is found. Um, certainly pride is put the, like I said, put the prodigal son in the pig pen. Um, but Jesus shows us in this parable that our judgment of others and thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to makes us just as far away from the father as the prodigal son. Makes us, puts us in the pig pen just like the prodigal son. We can, because of our attitude with God, we can sit in one of these pews and be in the same pig pen, or at least be as far away from God as the prodigal son was. Um, having a proper attitude would, would suspend judgment. Uh, and it, it, it wouldn't put me on the throne when I have the proper attitude. And I'd be overjoyed that somebody was able to get it right with God or with their father. And more importantly, that the father was rejoicing that one of his sons had returned and said he doubts his father's judgment. You know, when one of us messes up and we walk this aisle and we come up here and get it right, none of us should ever be, have an attitude, we should be very wary if we have an attitude of like, well, I don't know about that. I, I don't think they mean it. They're not really getting, they weren't really right with God. They're going to mess up again. This is dumb. Whatever goes through your mind. Um, that's pride. And it's a wrong attitude. Because if God's rejoicing about it, we should be rejoicing about it. Um, it's a victory won for him. Um, the father shows still his lo love for the second son by patient explaining something to him that the son really has no right to an expect an explanation for. God doesn't have to explain to us what he does ever. <laughs> He's given us his whole word explaining it to us because he loves us. <laughs> God owes us no ex explanation. Um, he does this for him to, uh, and trying to show him how he should be rejoicing and not pouting. And uh, if anything, his, uh, the, his oldest son should have been blown away at how gracious his father was. He should have been blown away at how willing his God was to forgive and how much mercy and grace he had. Um, but he is extremely bitter and and. And like I said, I, I think he's as far away from God, at the, or farther away from his father as his son was that went to the pig pen. Uh, I can tell you from personal experience, there's nothing worse, excuse me, 
than finding yourself in the gutter with the other people that a short time earlier were standing over pointing your finger at. Um, we are all, we are all just made of dirt and dust. <laughs> we're essentially mud balls, if you think about it. <laughs> and we're all, have all of us, if we were to, you know, Brother Chip said it before, and, and I like what he said, but like, if we were to start putting sins up on the screen of everybody in this room, It'd be a really horrible afternoon. It would be bad. None of us are without it. So how dare we think ourselves highly than another person that God created his creation? It's pride. Pride wants us to get on the throne. Um, Give no place to pride. And when it comes, deal with it correctly by confessing it, letting go of the bitterness, and quit attempting to sit on the throne. Um... I can tell you from personal experience, um, and uh, when my parents, my parents both died within a, uh, and some of, I may have said this up here before, I've told people, but both of my parents died within like two years of each other, and they were in their mid-60s, so they were young, and my uh, mom died of gastric cancer, and my dad died of colon cancer, and my dad went first, and then my mom two years later, and um, I remember praying, God, please cure the, my parents. When no one was around in my house, like getting on my face, God, please cure my parents. He didn't cure them. Instead of accepting it and realizing that God's in control, I gradually put myself on the throne. Pride, well, why wouldn't God spare my parents? when he spares other people's parents. Why, why would he not do this for me? Does he not see I'm trying to live for him? I'm trying to go soul winning. I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm trying to do what he says to do. And did you not hear me, God? I needed you to spare my parents. And he didn't do it. And so bitterness starts to creep in. And you get further and further away from God. But it was to, only to my own destruction when I should have been like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Please help me to figure this out. Please, please just let me trust you. I know one day that you're going to show me the answer of why this has happened the way it's happened. Um, and he does, because now I look back on it, and I'm like, well, if my parents had gotten sicker earlier or stayed that way for longer, I might not be in the Pacific Northwest anymore, and I'm convinced that God wants me in the Pacific Northwest. So he pulled something out of my life that was going to prevent me from leaving. And anyway, um, Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Ephesians 4.32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sakes, hath forgiven you. And then lastly, Hebrew, or Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. You never know what your bitterness is going to do to other people around you. You only think it's you. We think that we can just, it's only going to affect me, but we don't know what it's going to do to other people around us. You don't know how the results of your bitterness might turn your children against the Lord. You don't know how uh, that bitterness in action will turn other people off. Well, 
You see how he acts? And he says he goes to church every day. I don't want anything to do with that God. Um, and how do we fix it? How do we make it better? Sometimes I think we have to wear a path in the ground between our pew and the altar. Um, we never should fail to get on our face and make sure our attitude's right with God. About our place in creation and that we're not on a throne. God's on the throne. Um, I'm so glad that we have 1 John um, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my last question is, is what, what pride and bitterness have you allowed in your life? What, what, uh, is there someone here tonight that you know you should forgive? Forgiving people sounds easy until it's that one person that you can't forgive. And when I say that, everybody's probably got something to pop, somebody that pops up in their mind. Well, I just never, I couldn't forgive them. You don't know what they did. Brother Clem, you don't know what they did. Our sin nailed Jesus Christ on the cross, and he still forgave us. Um, is there something going on in your life that you think that this isn't the way it should be? It shouldn't be this way. Um, are you having a hard time accepting something you know that God wants you to do or to give up? God, I can't do that. I, I'm not willing to do that right now. I, I, I just, maybe later, God, I can't, I can't go there. That's when we start down the, the, the path of, of pride, of bitterness. Um, you can get it fixed right now. You know, the nice thing about this disease process is there's a cure. And you can halt any destruction that's going to happen just by going to Jesus. And he makes it better. Uh, give God a chance to show you what he can do when he's in charge of even the most difficult things. Um, I'm bowing my head for prayer. I think pastor's going to come do invitation. And